if you don't mind, let's, let's open with a prayer. Father God, thank you so much just for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to uh, share with your children, my brothers, my sisters, this opportunity, Father, to be able to just share things that have been on my heart, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that you would unleash your spirit, Father, and let the spirit move each of our hearts, Father, to hear the things that we need to hear. I pray, Lord God, that you would remove me from the picture so that people can see you more clearly and desire to be more like you. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of the message today is Living in Love. You know, I want to inspire you, if I can, by talking about the privilege we have as followers of Jesus. And then I want to... After, after we sort of set the stage, just kind of go into the Lord's gym, if you will, and go do a little workout that hopefully will, uh, you know, it's when you, go to, when you go to the gym and you work out, the first time you come out a little bit painful, you know, but it feels good and it feels good. It hurts, but in a good way. And you know, if you go back, it's going to feel even better. So I'm hoping that this will kind of kick you off and then you can go on and keep on going back to the Lord's gym and, and, and increasing in your strength. But let's set the stage. In Genesis 1.26, you don't have to turn there, I'll just quote it. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You see, God created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. And this means that our character traits... Our ability to think, to love, to feel emotions, to reason, are just like God. You know, He created us like Him. We are His children. You know, it's always so awesome to you when someone says, Boy, your son it looks just like you. I say thank you, even though I know he looks a lot more like my wife. But it's it, they, when they're like, you know, he's just like you. That's so awesome. And I think, how good must God feel when people look at us and think, wow, you remind me so much of God. That's the privilege we have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think people say that to us. We'd like them to say that to us. We don't, they don't usually say that to us, but that's, that's how we need to be. That we we want to be like, you know, j just like that. You know, grab his hand, walk it along, swinging, you know, holding on, becoming more and more like him. You know, when God made man, he made us separate and different from the animals. You know, we are not just living by instinct, but we think and we reason, and we are just like him. But it also says in, in Hebrew 1.3 that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Now you think about this, unlike us who have so many shortcomings... And I'm always reminded in, in Mark about, or in a, uh, John 8, I think it is, where, uh, you know, the woman who's caught in adultery, and Jesus says, you know, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone, and they all go away, the older one's first. And the older I get, the longer I'm around, the more I realize that, man, I need grace. Yeah. You know, I need a Savior. I need help. I need to grow in so many areas in my life. But we miss the mark in so many ways. But Jesus didn't miss the mark in any way. He's the exact representation of God's being. He is exactly who we were designed to be like. 
you know. He represents the best of us. You know, he's not just this ideal. He was who we would have been probably if we had not left the garden. You know, living by God's guidance and obedience to the Lord and not even considering an obedience. Just, oh, God said, you know, Dad says to do it this way. Okay, let's do it that way. Sounds good to me. Rather than us saying, well, I'm not sure if Dad knows the best way. You know, we like to take matters in our own hands, don't we? And that's what gets us into trouble, I think, a lot of times. You know, in, in John 14, Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. And Jesus says, don't you know me? Even after I've been along, with, along, along you such a long time? He says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So, to set the stage, first of all, as humans, we are all created in God's image. But then, God fine-tunes us, bringing us into even sharper focus. And he does this by getting us to repent and get baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. And then through the Holy Spirit, he begins to fine-tune us and bring us into sharper, God-like image, not just made in God's image. Amen? But God's character begins to be revealed through us. As has been said many times, you might be the only Bible people ever read. And so it's really important for us that we really reflect God's image. Amen? Such an honor. Um, I think it's key for us, first of all, to understand who God is. You know the scripture, 1 John 4, 16, says that God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. But he also says in 1 John 4 verse 8 that whoever does not love doesn't know God. Because God is love. So for us to accurately reflect God, it is key that we grow in and reflect God's love. Amen, church? That sets the stage. You with me so far? Yeah. We we were created in God's image. We've been fine-tuned to reflect God more. And so now what I want to do is I want to look at what I think is the most challenging scripture in the Bible. Please turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 8a. I know you've probably read it many times. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Let's stop there for a minute. My first point is this. Number one, 
No love, no reward. You know, it does not matter how devoted I am to the body of Christ, how much I sacrifice for the body of Christ, how many people I reach out to, if all this is about duty and it's not about love. Which has to start with my love for God. Amen? It's got to start with my love for God. God teaches me how to love. But he also teaches me through his love for me how to love other people. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Next year it'll be 30 years for me. And I've seen some growth, I think. It's always best to ask my wife if she's seen any growth. But I also see how how far I fall short and how much I want to grow. Now that doesn't make me get depressed and say, forget it, I'll never make it. But it makes me realize that I'm only going to get there with God. So I really got to pray, God, transform me. God, change me from the inside out. God, I want to be more like you. But if there's no love, there's no reward. What if I sacrifice? What if I had a faith that could move mountains? If my faith could enable the church to grow from 10 to a million, but I didn't treat people with love, I didn't do it for the love of the people, I didn't really do it for the love of God. I did it because of how it made me look. I wouldn't get anything for it. Not from God. I'd get it all from the people. But I wouldn't get it from God. If there's no love, there's no reward. So we've got to always go back to, God, I'm in this for you. I'm not, this, I'm not in this for my wife. I'm not in this for my son or my daughter. Thank you for giving them to me. I'm not in them for the brothers and the sisters, though I thank you for those who are my friends who help me stay faithful. But I'm not in it for them. Because if I am, then when they fall away or have troubles or trip up or whatever, I'll trip up with them. Yeah. Amen, church? Yeah. I'm here for you. Exactly. It's you and me, God. Yeah. And that, don't, I don't want to take the American mindset that it's me and you, God, and the rest of y'all can go somewhere else. I understand how integral the church is to God's plan. But if I don't do it out of love, and if people not only do it out of love, but if people don't see the love in me, how will they ever be drawn to God to begin with? Because I've known people who did things, they made a decision because they knew it was the right thing to do, but they really didn't want to do it. And so eventually, they stopped doing it. I'm sure all of us have seen some people like that, and and it hurts us when that happens. But we've got to have the attitude, God, I love you, thank you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I want to be here for you. Yes. Point number two, you got to strengthen your love. Yeah. You know, I decided, to, I decided to start working out again this year. Uh, not that I ever worked out heavily, but I, started, I decided I need to really get back and, you know, just start 
gaining in strength and making my body more flexible and all that. My dad is 84 years old, strong as an ox. He could beat me off the racquetball court, even at his age. And I was like, you know, I want to be like him, you know, and he's, he's amazing. So I started going to the school where they have a gym there and once a week with my wife and my son and then using the Bowflex two or three times a week and all that. And, and it was great, but you know, when you first go there, it, it hurts, you know? But when you start seeing the results or feeling the results, you know, or your wife starts telling you she's seeing the results, you start feeling like, yeah, I want to go back there again, you know? This is, this is good. Today, that's what I want to do as we go to, into the Lord's gym here being verses 4 through 8, okay? We're not going to go through all of it. I'm just going to start it off, and then you guys can continue it on your own. But he says in verse 4, Love is patient, and love is kind. Let's stop there. Let's, let's do a couple curls of love. How patient are you? Really? How patient are you really? What is your patience tolerance? You know, we were up at our lake house. We have a, my family has a place up in the Adirondacks. And uh, we got a phone call last Sunday at 8 a.m. We have two cars, and the brother was house-sitting. His car was in between ours. And somebody had slashed the tires on, all, on both of our cars and knocked out one of the windows. And obviously, I'm 1,800 miles away. There's nothing I can do about it. But I'm thinking to myself, who could I have possibly ticked off that much that they would single out our cars? Because the brother's car in the middle wasn't touched. It's just ours. I was like, that was a vendetta. That was somebody, I, I, I upset somebody somewhere. Don't know how, I don't try to upset anybody. I try to live at peace with all men as far as it is possible with me. But I could have gotten really upset and yelled and shouted and said words that I shouldn't say. But I knew, you know what? God's still in control. And so maybe there will be some good that will come out of this down the road. In the meantime, let's take care of the cars and get them fixed, you know? And so we did that. But how do you respond? How, how patient are you when things don't go your way or really trip you up? You know? When there's traffic, when the subway stops moving, when you got up late to begin with, because your alarm didn't go off, because you didn't plug in your phone, because whatever the list is. How patient are you? When you're, when you're driving down the road, and I don't know if driving in Staten Island is anything like driving in St. Thomas. You guys go faster, of course, because we're, we're a smaller island. <laughs> You, I, I, I have learned to grow more patient with drivers in St. Thomas. You know, in St. Thomas, you could be waiting to come out of a, a road that meets another road. 
and you, there's two cars about to go by, and after that there's no traffic, and so you figure, okay, when these two cars go by, I'll, you know, I'll pull out. And people in St. Thomas tend to be either uber sensitive and, 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 and over nice, or not nice at all. And one car will go by, and the second one will stop to let me out. But I'm thinking to myself, there's no one behind you, you know? And I've learned to try to gauge how I respond. Because I tend to, I, tend, I don't know about you, but I tend to talk to other cars. Do you ever do that? You, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, hello, there's no one behind you. Uh, I was here first, okay, pull to the other side. I just tend, and for some reason they don't talk back, probably a good thing, but I tend to talk to other cars. But I've had to learn to be more patient with driving. But let me ask you, how patient are you with your coworkers? I don't know what you do. Uh, I work in a, a retail environment where I am selling these high-end watches. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but there are some people on my job who just don't give their best. You ever see people like that? You know, who, who are content to be the 80? And I'll let you be the 20. You know, and who, you know, don't, who only really work harder when the boss is watching. And when the boss is not watching, they're not. And that drives me crazy, because I figure, my boss is always watching, yeah. you know? So I've always got to do my best, yeah. you know? And it can be very easy to be impatient and to want to say, why aren't you giving your best? But I'm not their father and I'm not their boss. How patient are you with the people you work with? Because here's the thing, if, if we're not patient with the people who work with us, how will they ever see God in us and be drawn to God? Yeah. Yes. You know, God has put you, you may not believe this, but God has put you or allowed you to take that job so that that mission field right there is yours. Yes. Yes. So sometimes we think that God gave me this job so I can make a lot of money. That's only part of the equation. But God's put you there because you can reach out to people there that nobody else can. And so that is your mission field. Well, I thought my mission field was back in Staten Island. That too. You know, you got to scatter seed wherever you go. You know, don't think you're on that job just to punch in, punch out, and do the best you can. You need to do the best you can. But if people don't see God's love in you, will they ever be drawn to God? Or will you just be like the stereotypical, self-righteous, hypocritical Christian that most people avoid? Which is what I don't want to be. Not if I'm going to be effective for God. Let me, let me, let's take it home a little bit. How patient are you with your brothers and their sisters who don't live up to your spiritual expectations? You know, we all have expectations. All of us who are disciples made a decision, the Bible will be my standard. And because the Bible will be my standard, and if you're my brother and my sister, then the Bible ought to be your standard too. Right? 
And so we basically start feeling like, well, you know, this, I, I'm supposed to be living this way, you're supposed to be living this way, why aren't you living this way? Okay, why aren't you sacrificing? Why aren't you committed to the body? Why aren't you, and I'm not saying you don't need to be, you do if the Bible is your standard, but how patient are you with your brothers and sisters who are not living up to the same standards that you expect? You know, write this down for yourself. In Romans 15, 7, it says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. We don't, when, when God accepted us, he didn't accept us because we were now perfect. He didn't accept us because we decided to make the Bible our standard, and so from that point on, we were the image of Jesus. You know? Come on. Come on. Are you with me, church? Yeah. yeah. He accepted us as we were. Now, he wanted us to make some decisions yeah. to begin that road. But are you less accepting of your brothers and sisters than God is. Because if you are, how will your brothers and sisters see God's acceptance in you and be drawn to God if you're not accepting them the way that God does? Does that make sense? That's a couple of, you know, heavy curls there, you know. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself, okay? I'm not just speaking to you guys. I'm just sharing the things that are coming off of my head, that my life, my heart. Let's take it a little bit closer. How forgiving are you towards your brothers and sisters who repeatedly offend you? Or have repeated offenses against God that you feel like, why aren't you done with this? Why, you know, like Peter, well, how many times should I forgive my brother or my sister? Seven? I think Peter was waiting for Jesus to say seven so he could say, ha! That was eight. Mm -mm, not this time. Because <laughs> we feel really pretty good, you know. But we could say, listen, seven times, how could you have possibly repented? You know, you keep coming back doing the same thing. You clearly have not repented. And yet Jesus is saying, if the guy said, look, I really, I really repent. But he messes up again. He says, you know, you've got to be forgiving. Ultimately, it's God's forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but in my time being a Christian, I think I have messed up more than seven times against God. Forget what about my wife, but against God, I have definitely offended him more than seven times. And yet he keeps on accepting me and keeps on saying, it's okay, get up, dust it off, you know, I saw this kid yesterday running by, we were in this trampoline park, and he was like a year and a half, and he fell face down. And then he started to get back on. I was like, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you know. And even though the kid might be bleeding or something like that, we're all like, you're okay, you're okay. That's how God is with us, you know. We fall sometimes face first, and we're like, blah, wipe out, you know, mashed up our face, and God's like, you're okay, get up, okay, it's all right, just keep on going. You know, indifference is not a substitute for patience. Right. Come on. Good point. Sometimes we just harden ourselves against a brother or a sister who repeatedly upsets us. 
And so we decide, I'm just not going to feel anymore, you know? Yeah, you're my brother. I love you. Hey, bro, what are you doing? You know, we don't want to hang out with his brother or sister anymore because we think that, you know, they're going to rub us the wrong way and all that. And I've had some of that. You know, we feel like, well, I'll just avoid that brother or that sister. And so we decide to not feel anymore. But patience requires engagement. Yes, yes. You know, we don't, we don't accept continual and intentional sin because God doesn't. Right. You know, Hebrews 11.26 is pretty clear on that point. But we understand, first of all, we are not the judge. You know, like Paul says, who are you to judge someone else's servant, okay? We're not the judge. God's the judge. We can say, well, God will judge you if you keep on and don't repent, but we're not the judge. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Okay. You know what's great about that? When you finally get that, it takes a whole burden off of you. Yeah. You know? You don't feel the burden of like, oh my God, that brother's sinning and, and it's making me look bad. Or, you know, because I'm discipling and he keeps messing up. I used to feel that way. I realize now, you know what? I'm just a man trying to follow Jesus. And this person's trying to follow Jesus. And I need to help them. But in the end, God's going to judge them. You know? It's just like he's going to judge me. And the measure I use will be measured back against me. So I better be careful how I judge. Yeah. You see, the thing is, we've got to be patient with each other's sins. Because we, we know we all struggle with something every day. You know, I remember a brother one just years ago saying, I don't understand why these people are always late for church. Which, I don't want to be late for church. But it was, his attitude was, these guys are always late for church. Why can't they get, he was a very disciplined guy, army. You know, very disciplined. But he had other struggles that were very pronounced that he didn't really talk about. You know, so we may have three out of seven things that we've licked. But these other four, we're really still working on, you know? So we've got to be very humble with one another. Yeah. We've got to be patient with one another because God is patient with, with us. And like Romans says, you've got to accept one another as Christ accepted you. Amen, church? Amen. You see, the church was designed by God to mature the members of his church. Right? We will all grow into him who is the head. You know, He gave teachers and prophets and all that, but so that we could all grow up into him. So we help one another mature. And it's important, therefore, if we're going to help one another mature, that we accept people with where they're at and help them to grow to the next level. Amen? We've got to be patient with one another. How patient are you with your spouse or your children? Bringing it even closer still. You know, it's been said a million times, but it's so true. Who you are at home is who you really are. And I've seen people who came to church and everything looked pretty good. And then you find out at home, you know, there's all kinds of unrighteousness going on. And then the kids don't want to become Christians, and the mom's wondering if she can make it all the way, or the dad, excuse me, and it's because who they are at home is different from who they are in church. You know, a lot of us grew up, with, grew up in households where when we started to come to church, before we got out of the car, our parents said, now you put on your best behavior. In church, that is not the way it should be. In church, it should be, 
be who you are. Love your brothers, love your sisters, love God, but be real. You know, be open, be vulnerable. You know, we're all struggling with something. God ain't finished with me yet. Amen, church? Love is also kind. How kind do you think you are? How kind are you to the person who maybe is on the street and asking you again, just like yesterday, if you got any spare change? You know, it's funny, in St. Thomas, his brother was saying, he said, yeah, man, I saw this homeless guy on the street, and the guy came up and he said, yo, mister, you got a dollar? And he said, I looked at my wallet and he said, no, I only got 10. And the guy said, that's okay, I got change. <laughs> Obviously a frugal homeless man. But I've had brothers come up to me and say, how, many, how often do I have to give? Do I have to give every time they ask? I've got people who ask me every day. And sometimes I can give them, and sometimes I say, yeah, not today, but maybe tomorrow, you know? And I don't unduly withhold things from them, but, you know, listen, sometimes, you know, I, I got five bucks, I gotta buy milk. But milk in St. Thomas is five ninety-nine. So, remember, it's imported, right? Everything's imported, so. The sunshine's free, and there's a lot of it. Uh, but how, how kind are you to those who have it harder than you? like the patients, how kind are you to the fellowship? You know, people need to, kindness is something that is not just being pleasant. You know, it's easy to come in and just be pleasant. Oh, you're visiting today? Good to meet you. I'm Dean. Bye. George, what are you doing? Not just being pleasant, but being really kind, you know. Oh, it's great to meet you, you know. So where are you from? You know, tell me about yourself. I mean, really engaging people, really, you know, wanting to know about people. Because all of us have a story. And none of us have walked in one another's shoes. Even twins, I mean, you know, the same household, they got different personalities. You know, when you have kids, you begin to see, my kids are very different in their personalities. They may even look similar, but they're very different. Each of us, we've got our own stories. And so, you know, it's important that we're kind when people come in. But it's also important that we're kind when we're out there. That people see something different about us. Not just that you're smiling when you could be angry, but that you really, you're very different. You know, you're genuine. And I think kindness has a lot to do with being genuine. You with me, church? Yeah. You know, Jesus says, you, you can write this down, in Matthew 5, 46 and 47, that if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, aren't you, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? You know, it's very easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. It was one of my favorite lines from Matt, this hit, hit series MASH, where Frank Burns says, it's, it's nice to be nice to the nice. You know, it's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. But 
But I don't know about you. I think like Paul, at one time, I was a blasphemer. I wasn't very nice to God, but he was still nice to me. You realize that? God was still being nice to me even when I wasn't being nice to him. So if the person, if somebody's not nice to you, you know, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh yeah, I'm going to give you a cup of cold water. Burning coals, baby. No. You know, we got to think, okay, if this person, my children, let me give you the best example. Sometimes someone's not nice to my kids at school. Bullying or just saying mean things or whatever. And we've had to say, why don't we pray for them? Because maybe that kid's not being nice because his parents are going through a divorce or something that we don't know about. Yeah. Maybe there's something going on at home and he's just right. acting out at school. Right. And by being nice to them, maybe we can help turn them around. Who knows down the road where that will go? That person could become a disciple and end up leading the world. You know? It's the same thing with the people we work with and the brothers and sisters in church. You know, we're all going through. We can't be close to everybody in the church. I can only be close to a few people at a time. You know? But I don't know what my brothers and sisters are going through. And so I've got to be kind to them because God is always kind to me. He lets his rain and his his sunshine fall on me and the unrighteous. Not that I'm all that righteous. But God is good all the time. Is he not, church? And so I've got to be kind because I don't know what people are going through. So how kind are you? Uh Uh-oh. That's my time. How kind are you and does it depend on your mood. Wow. Is it only when like today I'm going to try and be kind but tomorrow don't get in my way. Yeah. Lastly, are you only kind to those who are kind to you and what about your enemies? What about the people that you know don't like you. We all have some of those people in our lives. It's because of your faith or your commitment or something. Are you kind to them? Because the Bible says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. How are they going to see God's love in us if they don't see God's patience and they don't see God's kindness in us? Because that's what's going to make them go, hmm, Maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to be different. Maybe I, maybe I need to go to church with this person who keeps asking me. Because he or she really, really is different. Yes. You see, if we're going to change the world, we got to change. Yeah. Yeah. you got to start with the man or woman in the mirror, as the Michael Jackson song says. You see, if people don't see God's love in you or me, we may be a clanging symbol. Right. And nobody wants just a noisemaker. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants just this bang, bang, this guy's always reaching out to me, he's always telling me to do right, he's telling me these things about church and all that, but all he's doing is making a lot of noise because I don't see love or kindness or patience in this person at all. If we're going to change, it's got to be about love. So let's make some decisions today and we're going to start working 
on some of our father's characteristics in our lives because these characteristics as we take them on more and more and they get deeper into us or we're going to help or we're going to help other people to change as well amen i love you thanks for letting me be here take care